As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 122 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary, and today's episode is all about books. Yay. My favorite topic. I read two books on Sunday. Oh, wow. Good for you. I know. I love to read, but we're not really talking about reading. We're talking about book publishing. Right. Very different. Yes. I'm a great (laughs) reader, but I have not published a book. Same, same. Have you ever thought about publishing a book? Yes. I'm sure I will one day, actually. You think so? Yeah. I just, I have no idea when, but it's in me for sure. I get that. I don't know either. How about you? Yeah, I I don't know. I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I definitely like it's going to happen at some point. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So I feel like if I could just sit down and then it was done, I'd do it. (laughs) Imagine that. I know. I think everybody would too. No, I've always wanted to. It's been one of those sort of in my head. But then I think to myself like, "Uh, am I really going to spend all that time? It's a huge effort. It is. Yeah. I have some friends that have published. It's definitely like a labor of love. You have to really want. I mean, you have to really want to. 
Yeah. I feel like there are two camps. There's the people who it's like their bucket list item and it's like, they're just like, I'm doing it. I don't care what happens. Right. It doesn't matter to me if I lose like a million dollars doing it. And then there are the, the more, the people who are just like, yeah, I don't really know that I care that much, but I know I should do it for my career kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's, there's definitely different camps for me. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know yet. It's just too soon. Too soon. I have ideas for books. I could yeah, definitely me too. write some good stuff. I don't know. We're not going to do it this minute though. That's right. not on the list for 2020 right. or it's even 2021. That's fair. But I think it's always good to be open to the possibility because you never know. And people need to hear your voice in different ways. And I mean, I love reading. So. Oh my gosh, me too. I like that. We'll just manifest it to happen. I am going to be the author of a chapter in a book. So that's exciting. So that counts. Yeah. That's like you're on your way already. I'm in an anthology. That's really cool. That'll be out in the fall. I'm very excited by that. That's super cool. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'll ever write a book. I'm already (laughs) on the path. I wrote a chapter. Yeah. It was cool. That was really fun. I have a lot to say. I'm better at talking than I am writing. I feel like. So you can just audio record your whole book and then get it transcribed. Could you imagine that stream of consciousness mess that would come out? <laughs> I think it would end up being really good. It would give you a solid starting point. That's true. I could definitely do that. Oh my God, that'd be really funny. I kind of want to start recording myself talking like right. all the time. Yeah. It would feel important. For now, I'm going to stick to reading because I do love reading. Yeah. Yeah, we both love reading. We both read a lot, but we read like, well, different kinds of books. It depends. Uh, sometimes I read really stupid books to sort of just like brain candy books where I scrub yeah. my brain. Um, I don't, I read mostly fiction. Yeah. You don't read business books really. And I read no. lots of business books. None. I don't know that I've ever read a business book. I love business books. You do. I mean, not all of them, you know, they are not all created equal, but there are quite a few that I enjoy. What's your favorite? Oh, I mean, that seems kind of difficult. How long do I have? <laughs> <laughs> on, you know, on principle and like, and this one is, I mean, it applies so much to business, but it is much more the story part. I really love The Alchemist. That's a good book. I like that book. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's not meant, I wouldn't say it's like, that's a business book. You know, it's not like, you know, like no. a straight business book, but it applies so much to like, the journey and entrepreneurship that, and it has so many good like lessons in it that I do love it. That's a great book. Yeah, I agree with that one. I'm in a, uh, I'm, I'm part of a subscription box. That's like a book club, Mm -hmm. the feminist book club box, which is like my favorite. And we just read, wow, no, thank you by Samantha Irby. And it's like memoir style. So the nonfiction that I like to read is memoir style. And it was, so good it was so she is such an unbelievable author if I could write like her I'd write a book (laughs) she's really good this is essays um individual like each chapter is its own essay with a common theme for sure but she's those are my favorite kind of memoirs to read yeah oh that's cool actually I think that check her out I'll give you the book I have it oh okay I will let you borrow it if there's anything of interest in my bookshelf we can do a book swap Ooh, I just read another one and it's not in front of me and I can't remember the name of it. It was really, really good. This one was fiction 
Um, and it was really, oh, I wish I could think. I'll drop it in the show notes. The, the latest idea. two books. The book for August is called Hood Feminism. So I'm going to be very oh. interested to learn about that one. I'll give them all to you. All these down. Look at that. I'll bring them I over. Can, and I can list some of my favorite business books in the show notes too. There we go. And then we're going to have to ask this question in the HQ. Yes. But you have to wait for the outro for that. Yeah. <laughs> so pretend like we didn't say that. Let me tell you about our guest, our amazing, amazing guest. So today we have Leanna Weller-Smith, who is a awesome woman. She is the owner and executive creative director of Weller-Smith Design, which is an award-winning design agency. She has over 20 years of experience in the design industry and has 17 plus years of experience in the publishing industry. She's worked with high-profile clients like the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, Artisan Books, Rizzoli Books, Food and Wine Magazine, and Travel and Leisure Magazine, among others. Most recently, she's been sharing her talents with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits to help them strategically up-level up their brand presence. She's a creator of Productology by Weller Smith Design, a service that helps business owners strategically turn their content into brand extension products. She's also the host of Creatively Speaking, a video cast on YouTube, where she interviews small business owners who are doing creative things in their business, even if they don't think of themselves as creative. And she started her own publishing imprint, Lowercase Inc. Most recently, she received the 2020 Top Graphic Designer of the Year Award from the International Association of Top Professionals and has won several design awards from GDUSA, Davy Awards, and Muse Awards. And now on to the interview. I am so excited today. I am here with my friend, Leanna Weller-Smith of Weller-Smith Design. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. So I know what you do and all of your awesome. And But I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what services you provide. I'm Leanna Weller-Smith again, just like Jamie had said from Weller-Smith Design. Um, I own a design agency. So we're located right outside of New York City. We're in Long Island. For about the past 18 years now, um, I've been doing print, branding, web, and publishing. So that's really like where I started right after college as a graphic designer. And um, I've just kind of built all of those uh, skills up through the different jobs that I had. And about 18 years ago is when I struck out on my own. And I've been doing this for small businesses and solopreneurs and um, thought leaders, just pretty much around the globe now. So having all of the different technology that we have now, we're able to do that. But most recently, we've been really helping um, people to self-publish or create um, custom products for their business. So that's one of the big focuses that we've had lately on top of building their brand in other ways. So I'd like to pause on the fact that you have been an entrepreneur for 18 years. <laughs> you like, that's incredible because everybody's an entrepreneur now. And so I feel like 18 years ago when you started, I wonder if you felt a little bit alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, this has really been, I feel like I really grew up with an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, even when I was in high school, 
I, I was in a group called Junior Achievements, where it was a business run by seventh graders. And so we learned about marketing, creating a product, you know, price it, how to sell it, how to produce it. Um, so I feel like this has really just been my calling all along. Um, because then even after that, even in college, it was very similar. Like I worked for, I went to Kent State University in Ohio and um, they had a, they have a bus service. That's pretty much how you can get around um, the, the college campus is through a bus and the bus service is actually 100% student run. Same thing there. There's art directors, marketing managers. Um, we did have each, each department had an adult that helped us, but, you know, so I've been just kind of building these skills for ever since I can remember. So while, yeah, I did feel alone initially because a lot of people couldn't really relate to the things that I was going through, especially other friends that were, you know, small business owners in their own kind of way, like MLMs or things like that. I still just had a, a really strong drive to just kind of create it and do it myself. You're the real deal. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> that is so cool. So tell me a little bit about it. What I wanted, the reason I asked you to come on is because of your experience in publishing mm -hmm. and book publishing. I find with so many creators, business owners, service professionals, I feel like that's always a bucket list item, right? We all want our book, our products. We want to hold something. Um, but there's a lot of mystery around the publishing world. And so I know that you straddle both traditional publishing because you work with those publishers yep. and also self-publishing. So you immediately came to mind when I wanted to do a podcast about the publishing world. Can you talk a little bit about the two differences between whether someone goes the traditional route or the self-publishing route, and then perhaps we can talk a little bit about why someone may choose one over the other. Um, so, you know, I think just like you mentioned, like a lot of people, they want to have this, you know, book published, whether it's their personal story or um, it could be a business book, um, but it's it's something that they they want to put out there um, that is like a business builder. They want it to help them to get authority and whatever line of business they're in. And a lot of, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest things is to have a published book. Um, now, when it comes to traditional publishers, it's a lot harder to get in because it just, there's so many people that are submitting proposals for a book. Uh, and there's a limited amount of publishers, even though now there's a lot of like indie publishers that are out there, smaller publishers. But a lot of people feel that the traditional route just gives them even more clout in in the actual in their in their world of business um, and how they're being seen through other other companies that they want to sort of partner with. Um, then there's the self-publishing side where they can actually do it all on their own and they can also still reach the same type of client that they want to, um, but it's just a different process. There's a lot more work, um, but at the same time, you know, so much has changed in the traditional publishing world that self-publishers can sometimes now be even more profitable or have more success doing it on their own because um, they're already doing all of these things anyway. And the publishers are just not, they're not really doing the same things a lot like that they used to do. So in general, you know, in the past, you know, there was a lot of um, bigger marketing budgets. Um, you could do book signings and travel. And there were all these things that I think that was what gave publishing this 
grandeur of beauty, right? For everyone that wanted to do that because you you wanted to be at Barnes and Noble signing your book, you know, with hundreds of people showing up, um, but you didn't have to really do too much to get them there. Um, but it, things like that have changed. So self-publishing is is almost now becoming even more, um, I would say, um, ideal for um, business owners to actually go that route. I've actually had a number of clients turn down uh, traditional publishing contracts to do it themselves. Yeah. Because the I read a lot of book publishing contracts yeah, <laughs> in, sure my, in my legal practice, and I'm seeing exactly what you're talking about, which is a shrinking of budgets. Yeah. Um, the perks aren't there. So much is now having to be done by the authors themselves. And I think a lot of people are thinking, why, well, if I got to do it here, I might as well just own the whole thing. Exactly. And I've had, you know, I, we have clients, we work with a lot of food bloggers. And so that's like a really, you know, that niche there, you know, they, all of them want to have some kind of cookbook. We have one food blogger where she, she actually a few years ago was approached by a small publisher and they, they wanted to publish a book for her. So she actually went that route with them and she saw how that went. And that was like at the beginning of her career. And then as she started growing, you know, her own following and and making everything what she has today, she was like, I think it's time to do another book. She goes, but I want to do it my way. And because once you have seen the other side, um, you know, she's not in control of what the cover looks like. You're not in control of the content. They might want you to rewrite things. Um, And being that she's been doing this for so long and she knows what her people want um, she just felt like, you know, I'd rather just take, take control of it and, and do it that way. And, and now like, there's so many cool things that people can do to generate money even before the book is published. And sometimes the publishers just aren't, they're not, they're not up to that speed yet. They might hold things back a little bit, or they might say, okay, go ahead and do it. But if you're already doing it, why not do it yourself? Yeah, totally. So what is the, I, I have been pushing many of my clients who get these contracts or I would say challenging to think about the alternative (laughs) because I'm looking at this. I'm like, you're not going to make a dollar from (laughs) the way that this is written. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think that that is smart. So you, I know through, through your services, make that self publishing route feel accessible and less overwhelming. So can you talk a little bit about what the self-publishing process starts with uh, when someone comes to you with an idea? Where do you go first? Sure. So generally we look at the content, like what it, what they're, what they're, what they want to put out there. So whether it's, um, you know, like a cookbook, like I previous mentioned, previously mentioned, or if it's something that is like a like a novel or it could even be like a memoir. We look at what they have and usually I do um, kind of push them to some sort of editor to start with, because I do feel like one of the things that I really believe in is if you're going to go through all of the work to get this done, that you need to, you need to really put something out there that's top notch. You don't have to go way overboard, but I do like, them to have an editor, they can clean it up, they can make sure things are consistent, because somebody is going to be reading that. So usually once I've assessed what they have, and we talk about, you know, either having it read, um, and tweaked a little bit, it usually comes to us then and me here. And, um, 
And then we talk about what we want this to look like. So if it's a uh, gift book, we talk about what that should look like. Um, we go through a whole process with style. If they have a brand already, we make sure that we have all their brand assets so we know how it's going to look and feel. If they don't have a, a brand already, then we create something for them based on the content, the type of book, and what they want it to look like. And then we guide them the whole way through it. So it literally is a very process that we use because I really want them to know every aspect of what's happening with the book. Um, we do sample pages so they can actually see it before before we lay out the whole book. And we don't, you know, that way we're all on the same page. We know what it's going to look like, how it's going to flow. If there's any kind of artwork that we need, we talk about that. We figure out like how we want to incorporate it. Um, but on top of that, there's just a lot of nuances when it comes to self-publishing. So we usually do have the very big conversation around their goals because just like you said, looking at these contracts, right? People aren't really making a lot of money off of a book that's traditionally published and they're still not making a lot of money off of a self-published book. So we try to be very clear that just because it is created, if they don't do all the marketing efforts that they need to actually get people to buy it, um, that they could possibly be having a book sitting there, which is disheartening. But at the same time, we have to be honest with them so that they know that there's a whole process when it comes to the book and it's not just getting the book done. Yes. I feel like you sort of like when, when uh, someone is creating this book, you at the end, you're like, okay, now, now it's, it's over. I've made the book. Yeah. <laughs> and there's phase two. <laughs> yeah. And we try to like, we, we try to preempt that. So even in our initial call, um, we talk about what their goal is and if they want this to be a moneymaker or if they want this to be a business builder. And I try to explain that the best way to look at certain books are it's a business builder. It's something you can build your authority on. You can um, use it when it comes to different events that you're going to. You can use it as a tool, almost like a like the like like what a business card used to be, but now it's like taking it to the next level. I've always thought of books, to be honest with you, in particularly the entrepreneur space. I'm not really talking necessarily about like fiction writers or even like memoir style writers who this is what they do. They are writers for a living. But in the business space, I feel like in a lot of ways, if you want to be what people now refer to as thought leader and you want to be giving large keynotes, you want to be on big stages, you just have to have the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. It, it just really does up level everything then that when you are on stage or when you have something then to that somebody can leave with and mm -hmm. they can read through it they can they can learn about you know the different modalities that you're teaching or um, learn more about you in general and just how you approach the topic that you've been talking about and it it really does um, it makes a big difference and and it's just about we try to I guess on top, uh, like on top of everything, we try to like give these ideas to people so that they know that there's so many things that they can do with it to actually up-level their presence and authority within their circle that they're looking to kind of break into as well. What are some of the other uh, reasons or goals that you hear that may not be as commonly thought of for a book, but are actually a really effective or good reason to publish a book? I, I know that like, a few of our clients, uh, they have wanted to um, kind of segue into a different market. 
So what they've been able to do is reach other people in a different way. So like we have a lawyer, he wanted, he, he's, um, he has a great marketing foundation that he has created. And this is how he's built like, I think three or four like big marketing firms and they've become big revenue generators. And so, but what he was able to do was he, he was searching the market for where the gaps were. So that was how he actually created the different types of law firms that he created. Instead of like writing a book about being a lawyer, what he did was he wrote a book um, for lawyers about how to, how, how to like what SEO is and how to market themselves and how to put together an email list and how to do this research so that they could, um, you know, expand their, their, their reach and reach more clients, but not just because they're the best one in town. Um, so it's almost like some people are taking the opportunity to create um, a book product that can then give them this other additional revenue stream that's not doing anything that they've even, that, that that's what they do professionally. But I think it's pretty smart because now yeah. he'll have like, he can go and he can talk at different events or he can talk at different um, conferences and it can be in a totally different way. And he has this um, higher kind of presence, I would say, and, and because he's teaching people to do something that it's not law, but it's about how to become a better law firm owner and how to expand it. So it's just interesting. So that was that's one that's one example. And then other um, reasons for publishing are different, like what a book can do for you. It can provide, like, say it's um, say you're you're you put together something that reaches young girls, like for teenagers. And, but then you can also iterate on it. So you can, you can build almost like a kitchen soup for the soul type of product that becomes interchangeable with other topics. So it's almost like you're building this brand of books that can hit all these different markets. So it's your, it's the same kind of uh, topic, but then it covers all these other genres if, to, to just kind of get your reach out there too. So it depends on the vision of the author and what they want to, to actually do with it. I like the idea of framing it as to the why you're doing it. Um, I'm sure that also helps with the marketing as well. Yeah. Um, so I love, so now that we've like, we're in this journey, so somebody decides they want to write a book, they come to you. Um, I presume they've either started or are in the process of, or maybe finished. And so they have the manuscript and they come to you to do the layout. The editing is outside of your service, correct? You're not, you don't provide that. Um, I, so some, some of our clients we do provide it for it depends on the type of book. Um, and then we have several different editors that we work with and what the way that it generally kind of, happens is once the type of book comes in, um, we can set them up with the publisher or the editor that would work well with their type of book. So I have some editors, they, they tend to be more technical. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a technical book, I would rather that they were reading through it because they just, they're just approaching it differently. But then we have other editors that um, are approaching it from a, like a, 
almost like an organizational standpoint. So they might say, oh, you need to reconfigure um, this opening section and you should tie this in. So they're really, um, they're taking the manuscript and they're helping to like really formulate how it, it becomes a book. But, and that, that's generally for like the bigger ones, like a cookbook. So, you know, a cookbook author might go through all of these recipes and they, they have this, they, they've talked about like how to do this and then how to do this and how to do this. But then the editor might go in and say, oh, this is great, but this should be one section and this should be another. So they really are mm. organizing it. Um, and then we have other editors that we work with too, that they just have a really good knack for guiding the writer. So if, if things aren't consistent or if there needs to be some transition or flows, um, they are good at that. So while I, pr- I, don't do it. We do have, we do have our editors that we work with that, that then they give us the final manuscript when it's done and we manage the process as well. So, so we'll work with the, with the editor. We'll make sure that everything is to them the right way. And then we get it back from them. We ask them what we, you know, how we want it to come back to us. Can you, because a lot of editors too will, it's like a, it's such a technical thing, but they'll code the manuscript for mm. the right for the designer, mm. and that's really helpful. But it's having that conversation with somebody that that we trust, that we know that when we get it back from them, it's going to be in in good shape, so that we can then take it into design. Oh, I love that. So yes. then, I, I didn't even know that any of that. Yeah, happened, that something gets coded for. That's so cool. Yeah. So like so, titles and subtitles and like they, you know, rest. This is an ingredient list. Like they'll they'll mark the whole thing up. So. Wow. Yeah. So once you have the final product, what pieces of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to then market their self-published book? Yeah. So I think they should start it the day that they're thinking about publishing a book. Oh. Uh, so I always, when I, when, when I talk to um, new clients, I always look at their social media. I always look to see what they're already doing. If they have a website, if they have, a, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever they have. And I give them advice right from the get go about, um, building their list, making, you know, um, engaging more with their audience, um, talking about the fact that they're publishing a book. Like there's no reason to keep it secret until it's done. You know, I really kind of really hone in on the fact that, you know, they, they really have to think about how they're going to launch it. I know that they don't, I, some, some clients honestly don't, they don't care. They just want to get this book done they want to get it out there. They want to be able to just kind of use it when they need it. Um, but there are clients that, you know, they really do want this to become something that people need and that they are seeking. Uh, so we really, you know, talk to them about, you know, having a landing page on your website or buying the URL for the book so that if people type in the title, like they can go straight there. Uh, we just talk to them about all these things that they should be thinking about or doing while we're actually creating the book so that they can have a leg up when it is ready. Um, but there's all, there's so many things they can do even while the book is being created. Like they could put together webinars. They could get people to um, do pre-sales. They could, they could do a GoFundMe depending on, or not a GoFundMe. I guess it would be like, a patro- um, a patro- yeah. Patro- what's the, I'm blanking on that word. Patro- 
Enchantment, a patronum. What is it? I'm thinking yeah, of a Harry Potter word. <laughs> Not yeah. the right word. But they have this. They, like, Thank you. What is it? What's the word? Don just jumped in. Is that it? Patreon? No. Patre- Patre- is that- All right. Yes, that. It's a funding thing. <laughs> yes. So they can, they, you know, but there's so many different ways that they can approach it to actually make money even prior to selling the book. Um, we talked to that if they already have a platform, we talked to them about how they can package this book with other things they're already selling. Uh, so potentially they could, um, sell, like say they had a course already and this book is supporting that course, um, further with their, the, you know, with their, um, their, the teachings on, in, in this book, um, they can package it up and they can sell it for, even more. So say the course is $200, they could say, buy this $200 course and you'll get my book for free. So they're making $200 for a course that has already been paid for um, because they've already created it and they're getting $200 essentially for somebody to buy a book. So that, that is, I love how it's strategy from the minute you start. (laughs) And, And that's, that's something that we've really try to explain initially because a lot of people say, well, I can put up a website in um, like it, like a day. And it's like, yes, you can. However, you know, there's all these other little nuances that go into it. Like even if it's just one page for the book, like there's all this stuff that happens that can strategically make that page way more valuable to you and your book launch than just putting up a page. That is great. So what is the most common mistake that you see first time authors or self, anybody who's going into the self-publishing world make? I think the biggest mistake is not trusting the process that we have. Like, so they might question it almost a little bit too much. Like, do I really need to do that? And do I really need to do that? But there are certain things, just like I said, like at least even having um, somebody read through the manuscript to make sure that it is proper. Like, I feel like sometimes they just don't want to do it. They feel as though their way is fine. But, you know, if somebody is going to pick up the book, to me, it, it should be at least written well. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's been the, that's been not probably the biggest thing, but to be quite honest, most people that come to us, they're open to that. And so they, you know, if we suggest, you know, for them to send it off to somebody else before it comes back to us, they will. But I think it's just, and it, I think the other mistake probably, and I don't know if it's a mistake or if it's just, you know, they're not educated about self-publishing because it is so complex, is I think that they they might go the cheaper route when it comes to like the design of it, um, like the cover or the interior and like a service like mine, obviously it, it costs money, but I mean, I've worked for, you know, like the top publishers here in New York and there's a difference between a book designer and just a designer. I think that's one of the steps that, that gets skipped a lot because they feel like it's not that important. That is excellent advice. Thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us. I feel like you've definitely made the process feel a lot less scary, particularly if you find the right person who can guide you through it. (laughs) So can you please tell everyone where they can find you? 
Sure. So they can go to our website at wellersmithdesign.com. We have uh, samples of all sorts of different types of projects that we've worked on um, that are traditionally published or um, self-published as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and taking the time. All right. Thanks so much, Jamie. Leanna is so great. Oh, She's just great. We know her in person. So yeah. I just feel like it was it was a really awesome conversation. And she has a very cool perspective on publishing because she has so much experience. And I love the like the extra angle of products and like other ways to do things creatively. Yes. I think it's really cool. She's awesome. She's definitely someone to know and she gives really, really great information. So now that you've waited for the outro, we're going to talk about the books you're reading. So in the HQ, if you're not a member already, you can find us at the Fearless Business Podcast uh, Facebook group, or you can find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.